Uh, I'd like to start today with a scripture from John 13 and 1 Corinthians 13 to help prime our hearts and our minds on what God has for us today here at Community Life. I want to start with the words of Jesus in John 13, and then we'll shift into 1 Corinthians Corinthians 13. It says this, it'll be on the screen. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's pray as we get started. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you so much for this morning. We are so grateful to be your church, to be your people today. We ask that you would just meet us in this moment, that you'd open our eyes to your presence, God, that we would leave here different, that we leave here changed today, God, that some of the things that we've been carrying with us over this past week, even distractions we're experiencing this morning, God, we ask that you would just strip those all away, that, that we'd be so present in here today that we might sense maybe a whole new future that you are inviting us into. And so, God, we are so grateful that we can gather in this beautiful space. We're so grateful that we can be a generational church. God, we're so grateful that you have, that we might know you and be known by you. And so it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And we all said, amen, amen. Well, welcome back. So glad you're here. You feeling all right? It's a beautiful day. I'm dealing with that whole, like, mask on a big beard thing right now. It's really... It's really interesting. I feel like I always have to mat it down. Anyone else have a big beard? Never mind. We'll talk about it later. If you don't know me, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Life. Just thrilled to be sharing from the scriptures today. Um, speaking of, um, from the opening scriptures, I'm sure it's obvious, but as we return to kind of this church people series over the next couple weeks, um, we're going to be talking today about love. Love. It's so fitting because it's my 10th wedding anniversary this next week. My dear, all right, I know, it's, we made it, we have arrived, I love you so much, seriously, you are the greatest, I'll, I don't want to go too much, I'll start crying, but, but I love you very much, okay. All right, so we're t- going to be talking about love in a message I want to call Love Outside the Lines, Love Outside the Lines, and if you're taking notes, it's my hope that you'd be walking away with two a better understanding of two specific things today. First, I I hope that we can all walk with a better understanding of what love is according to Jesus. And second, as followers of Jesus, that we would would walk away knowing that, that we are to be recognizably known for this love that Jesus says must define us. And so really just two things. I'm hoping that we can walk away with what love is and what it really takes for us as the church to be known for this love. Sound good? Amen. Amen. Come on, friend. Say it again. Amen. Here we go. And I want to park here today. I want to park here today because back to John 13 that we just heard from Jesus, this is the expectation God has for his church, for his church people. Jesus says that the world will know 
happens when you love. This is the command. And really the only priority Jesus gives us, essentially saying in Matthew chapter 22, that, that all of God's expectations, all of God's expectations can be summed up in love. Love for God and love for people. There is no more important command. In the end, there will be faith, hope, and love. But Paul says in Corinthians 13, the greatest is love. You got it. This is it. Even the Beatles, Manny, even the Beatles knew it. Love, love, love. All you need is Love, right? Come on. Okay. All you need is love. Still, even with the incredible priority placed on love this side of eternity, love can sometimes feel almost impossible to define and even more so impossible to find. Love can be a hustle sometimes. And that's because in society today, everywhere we look, we're fed competing definitions and descriptions. From Hollywood to social media to self-help books to Tinder, we are expected to assign all sorts of meaning to this word based almost exclusively on us. This is the norm. We are taught to draw these lines around what makes us feel good. To draw these lines around what makes us feel validated or significant and, and then call it these lines love. When, then we invite people, we invite people into these spaces to help support our feelings, but then expel anything or anyone outside the lines that doesn't contribute to our unique, positive, emotional responses. And I'm sure you've, you've seen this. I'm sure you've even, you've even felt this. Love has become synonymous with how we feel. With how we feel. It's become this nebulous, inconsistent, watered-down emotional response that somehow means something different to everyone because it's rooted in everyone's individual, personal experiences. Love can be so hard to understand, especially when it's up to us especially when it's up to us. Like, for example, when we hear someone say, oh, I love you, man. I love you. And then your response right, is like, oh, thank you. I, I love you too, right? But then he, he starts talking about how much he loves his dog. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah, I, uh, th that makes sense. And then he's like, oh, man, you know, I could really go for some tacos. I love tacos, and then he talks about what he's doing next week, and he's saying, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to go to, to Disneyland because I just love Disneyland. And, and, we're, and we're there, and we're kind of stuck trying to make sense of where we fit on this spectrum of love. Where we fit? Am I at the top of the list? Am, am I somewhere in between the tacos and the dog? I'm not exactly sure, depending on the day, but it's hard, right? It's hard because in our world today, there's no constant there's no constant for love. It's all contextual. When we define and measure love based on how much we love or enjoy tacos or how much we feel when we see someone or, or what someone does for you or, or doesn't do to you, even with the best of intentions, this lack of authority, this lack of understanding, this lack of authority for love in the world, it leads us to see love as a fragile, individual, conditional transaction. Love becomes a project that we pursue 
toward its most pleasurably logical end, one we approach with all sorts of boundaries, lines drawn, lines drawn where if you do this and then you do this and then you do this, I'll feel love and then I will reciprocally give my love back to you. Or if you do this and do this, but you don't do this, then, then I won't in turn give you my love in reply. It's become a conditional, reciprocal transaction. I, I wonder how many of you here today have ever been on the giving or receiving end of this way of thinking about love. Where I'll love you, I'll feel for you if you do this. Or if you don't do this. As long as you stay inside the lines that I draw to define love for me. I'd imagine we've all been on the giving or the receiving end of this definition for love. I know I still land there way more than I'd like to admit. But let's be real. This watered-down, consumeristic, self-centered definition of love can't be what Jesus had in mind when he said that all God expects is love in Matthew 22. It can't be what Jesus had in mind in John 13 when he said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our modern definitions, our modern definitions can't be what Jesus had in mind. So back to the top, what did Jesus mean by love? How did he define it? So we might be known for it. How did Jesus define it so we might be known for it? Let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, open up to John, 1 John 3, 16. And then we're gonna be looking at 1 John 4, 7 through 12 as well. And listen, I hope and I pray that this hits you today that this hits you hard and sinks deep into your heart and soul. I, I also want you to know that this is both instantly applicable today, but also impossible to master this side of heaven. It's a lifelong process of learning and loving. So take notes, write ideas down, write observations down. If you have questions, write them down because I want to talk to you about this. All right, well, let's get right into it. Uh, John, 1 John 3.16, he gets right to the point, And we'll be jumping right down to chapter 4 as well. Here it is, it's on the screen. If there was any question about what Jesus says love is, this is it, right to the point. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Here's chapter four. So dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, underline this, write this down. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is the end. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Amen. All right, so what did we just learn? Two key verses. Chapter 3, verse 16, and chapter 4, verse 10. One more time, it'll be on the screen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. Verse 10 of chapter 4. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. 
and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. John says, this is love defined. And what I need you to understand and what's totally amazing is that Jesus literally defined what love is through his own love for the world. This wasn't some abstract notion from heaven. This was Jesus defining it through his own love for the world. Jesus defines love through his own selfless commitment, which was revealed by his own sacrificial decisions through the world he so loves. And I would say this is love outside the lines of what society makes sense. This is love outside the lines. Two things, selfless commitment and sacrificial decisions. If you're taking notes, write that down. Selfless commitment and sacrificial decisions. Love is not determined by emotions or feelings, but rather defined by the person of Christ, committing his heart to a world that constantly breaks it, then still deciding, still deciding to lay his life down so the brokenhearted might know what it means to feel whole. Jesus is love because love comes from God. And this is how we know what love is, and this is how we know what God is like. Back to Corinthians 13, our opening scripture. We know that love is patient. Why? Because Jesus is patient, and Jesus defines love. We know that love is kind. Why? Because Jesus is kind. We know that love doesn't envy or boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Why? Because Jesus is all of these things. We know that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That we know that love never fails. Why? Because Jesus always protects. Always. He's always trustworthy. He is the source of all hope and never fails. And this is just to name a few. This list is not exhaustive. But this, according to the scriptures, is love defined by the person of Christ. This is not a theory. This is not abstract or emotionally. But this is practical. This is love. Outside the lines we so often draw to insulate ourselves from discomfort. This is love outside the lines. It has nothing to do with what we get it has everything to do with what was given. Let me say that one more time. Love has nothing to do with what we get. It has everything to do with what was given so we might know what God is really like. And so, okay, let, let me say this one more time for good measure. Because I have no idea what brought you here today or, or where you're at on this continuum called faith. But let me just say this one more time. Because this is our confession as Christians, much like we just did for communion today. Our confession is that Jesus, who is God, the same God of creation who reigns supreme over all things, Jesus came to earth, to the earth he made to bring peace because of his great love for humanity. This is our confession. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. So you might know his love be transformed by his love as displayed on the cross, be defined by his love from the inside out, and then reveal his love to the world that he so loves. So much love in that sentence. But this is our confession. 
This is our confession that Jesus came and he died so we might know what he is really like. So we might know what he is really like. Still, I think it's important for us to recognize that, that as God, being God, he could have made peace with humanity in, in a million different ways. But this is still what he chose. God, being God, could have taken care of everything over Zoom from heaven, okay? He could have. Or like in the movie The Avengers, God could have done that, that, that snap and all sin would have disappeared. Because he's God. But God knew us. God knew that we needed to know him. God knew that true love wasn't a predictable list of instructions to follow or an impersonal paint-by-numbers moral framework. No, love is a masterpiece of mercy that had to be seen to believe to become. Had to be seen to believe to become. This is love outside the lines, and it creates a constant for us. It creates a constant by which all other definitions or understandings of love must submit. A constant that Jesus says must be observable and recognizable in us as his people. Back to John 13. In the same way I loved you, you should love each other, for your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Amazing, right? Jesus defines love through his own sacrifice. God, the God of the universe, comes down so we might know what love is. So amazing. Still, even as I know these things, if you're anything like me, I still so often draw lines around what's in and outside of love based on my feelings. I still draw lines all the time. And so even though we we might know these things to be true, how, how does this actually play out? How does this play out? How can we begin to put into practice as church people How are we to embrace this gospel definition of love when everything in the world is screaming at us 24-7? It's up to you. Well, there are four things. I know a good preacher always sticks to three, but I believe in you today, okay? I'm going to give you four. Um, And there's four things I want to highlight for you, but I just want to first start by reading some from John 4, 1 John 4. Um, kind of a a fulfilling passage here from 1 John 4, starting in verse 15. It says, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. So four things from this passage that I think really help us love like Jesus, love outside the lines, love beyond our own emotions and move beyond our own feelings. We need to, first, we need to know his love. We need to trust his love. Three, abide in his love. And live like he loves. I need you to say this with me real quick. We need to know his love to his love. Three, abide in his love and finally live like he loves. That's good. From the top. 
If we want to move beyond our definitions of love, we need to first, verse 16, we need to know how much God loves us. We need to know his love. We need to acknowledge and confess that what the scriptures say about Jesus is true. That the gospel isn't just some self-help instruction manual to live a better life and make the world more fair. But rather, the gospel is the greatest love story ever told. Rooted and established in God's overwhelming, radical, passionate, seemingly reckless commitment to the world. This is not safe. This is not a safe story. This is not comfortable. This is not self-seeking love. No, Jesus willingly sacrificed his life on the cross so the world God so loved might come to know and be known by him. This is how much God loves you. He literally loved you to death. Let that sink in for just a moment. For any emotional response or impulse you've experienced that made you feel good, you need to recognize that everything pales into comparison to that the God of the universe came and died and literally loved you to death. Literally loved you to death. So far outside the lines of what the world says makes sense, which is why I think for some of us, actually knowing his love, I think it can be so hard for us to believe and in turn become because it can seem almost too good to be true. Almost too good to be true, which is why number two is so important. It's not just enough to know his love. We need to trust it too. We need to trust his love. And this is without a doubt one of the things I talk to people, church people, about the most especially as they are in moments of questioning or deconstructing faith. Because typically, it's not that they don't believe in God, or it's not even that they don't believe in God's love. It's that, they, that more than anything, they have a hard time believing that God could actually love them. They have a hard time believing with all their failures and their, all their inconsistencies and their hypocrisy and their sin, even as they confess that Jesus is Lord of their life, there's still this lingering doubt. There's still this lingering doubt that the mercy and grace Jesus showed them on the cross wasn't quite enough to cover their past. Like I had this friend back in Wisconsin. This kid's story was wild. He, um, he went away to college after high school um, and really lived it up. He had the party life, you know, the drugs and, and girls and whatever. And there's no judgment coming from him, just observations. And he ends up getting kicked out of school. He moves back home and randomly connects with our little church. And it's there that he finds connection. Amazing. And he finds community. And, and one night, uh, the guy, he gets saved after a worship time around a campfire, and his entire life changes. It's this miraculous before and after moment, like night and day. Kid was on fire for Jesus, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. But there were these waves. There were these waves of guilt that would crash against his heart every couple days, every couple weeks. They would, they would cause him to question why Jesus would ever love him, why God would actually save him. I mean, he knew the story. He knew all about God's love, but his trust in God's love was just one bad day away from collapsing. Because up until that moment of salvation, the only love he knew was conditional. The only love he knew was fickle and exclusive and neatly organized in and outside of lines of what makes sense and feels good. So trusting 
in God's love was a challenge for him. Trusting that God loved him unconditionally was a real challenge for him. Um, And I'm sure it's a challenge for some of us in this room too. Which is why the next step is so essential, number three. Because we can't trust God's love if we don't abide in his love. Or like we read in verse 17, if we don't live in God. We must abide in God's love. We must choose to exist in God's presence so we might see that he is indeed trustworthy and true. Just like a child that is adopted into a new family that needs to experience the Father's love to trust the Father's love, so too with us as God's adopted sons and daughters. We need to spend time with the Father. We need to spend time with God. We need to witness firsthand, 1 Corinthians 13, his patience, his kindness, his selflessness, his honor, his peace, his mercy, and goodness. We as people, we we need to see that he always protects, that he always trusts, always hopes, and never fails. We need to see God. We need to see God to live in God's presence if we want to live outside and love outside the lines. So we need to abide in his love. But what does this look like? Practically, because I know some of you here, you're like, hey, I I know all about God's love. I trust God. I trust that God loves me, but I still feel kind of disconnected, still kind of feel distant from that love. Like I know it's there and I, I, okay, okay. Practically, it means you committing just like Jesus, selflessly committing to daily decisions that keep you close to him. Just like a great marriage, it's daily decisions to keep you close to the ones you love. It's choosing new life rhythms that detox your heart and mind and soul from what the world is selling and aligns your life with his way. It's spending time with God in the scriptures. I know some of you are like, ah, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, but I just don't know where to start. Honestly, God wants to speak to you through it. Pick any page and get going. But if you want, if you just want to, if you want to know a great place, start with the story of Jesus. Start with the story of Jesus. A little past halfway through, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, any of them. Pick one. Start it. Hear about God's love for us. Witness it it through the scriptures so you can witness it firsthand. Spending time with God in the scriptures. Spending time with him in prayer. I know some of you are like, again, man, prayer just seems so insane. Like, like I'm just talking out loud, and I don't know if God is actually listening or whatever. And so I tell you what, when I start a prayer... Sometimes this is that way for me. I'm like, oh man, I know I, okay, I have to pray. I'm a pastor. I got to start praying more, okay? But I always start with this. Jesus, I believe that you are real, that you're good, that you love me, and you lead to peace. Every prayer starts with that for me. It's confessing that I believe God is real, that Jesus is real, that he is good, that he loves me, and he leads to peace. And from there I go. But it's that, it's that correction, it's that alignment. It helps me abide back into the good news of Jesus. So we need to spend time with God in prayer. It's gathering together with other believers. You're here, good job. You did it. To To intentionally exist in God's presence and allow his goodness in a place like this to become your updated vision and expectation for how to live. We need to abide in God's love. We need to live in God if we want to love like him. So we need to know God, know about his love. 
We need to trust his love. We need to abide in his love. And then it equips us and empowers us to do number four, to live like he loves. This is verse 17 one more time. And as we live in God, as we abide in his love, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. We can approach him with confidence. We can approach Jesus with confidence because the more we abide in his love, the more we can live like he loves. Which brings us all the way back around to John 13. John 13. So much Bible today. And this is the new commandment Jesus gives his church. He says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Another, if we're to actually fulfill this expectation Jesus has for us, it's not, it's not only to love on our own terms, but to love like Him. If we're to fill this, this, this mandate from John 13, we're not just supposed to love however we feel like it, however is most comfortable, or however the world tells us makes sense, but we're to live like He does. We're supposed to live like Jesus, far outside the lines of what makes sense. And if we're to do this, we need to know his love. We need to trust his love. We need to abide in his love. And we need to step into this love of selfless commitment and sacrificial decisions. Selfless commitment and sacrificial decisions. We need to abide in his love, to learn and experience and receive his love so we can love one another like he did. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is love. This is real love, verse 10. Not that we love God, that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So let us Let us be a church, a people, church that choose to define love, not by the standards of the world, but through the sacrificial example of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let us be a community of faith that chooses to abide in God's presence so we might trust more in his love. Amen? Amen? And finally, let us be a family of adopted sons and daughters that choose to love beyond what's reasonable, that chooses to love beyond what's safe and practical or comfortable, that chooses to love beyond our upbringing, that chooses to love beyond what the world says makes sense so we might live like God loves, far outside the lines, so the world might come to know and believe and be saved. Because love, friends, one more time, love is not a list. It is not a list of reasonable demands to meet to get what you want. Love is not defined by a feeling you have about tacos. Love isn't a recipe to follow to reach a safe and predictable end. No, love, the the life of love that God is calling us into is a work of art. It's not paint by numbers. It is a work of art far outside the lines. It's a masterpiece of mercy that flows outside the lines of self on a never-ending canvas of grace.
defined, but never contained. This is love. Well, as we finish up today, the team is going to come back up and lead us in a time of reflection and response. Come on up, guys. You're amazing. But really, more than anything, in this moment, they're going to be leading us in a time to abide in God's love together. And we're going to be singing a song that fits so perfectly. It's called, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How Deep the Father's Love. But as we do, I just want to challenge you in this moment. You're already here. You already did the hard work. You skip brunch. Maybe you'll hit lunch after. You skip the beach today. You're at church. You're here together. You've already done the hard work. So I just want to challenge you to identify where you're at on this progression toward true love. Where do you fit within this, this paradigm today of knowing, trusting, abiding, and living? Where do you find yourself today? Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you're still drawing lines around what feels right. Maybe you're still drawing lines around uh, what feels right. And today, God wants to be the giant eraser you had as a kid to start clearing out the boundaries you put up to keep you from getting hurt. Maybe, maybe you just need to dig a bit into the scriptures to finally know and believe and trust that God actually loves you. Maybe you're here today for the first time and you got dragged along with some friends and, and you're going to go to lunch after and you're just thinking, okay, I just got to make it through five more minutes. Uh, but, but listen, but listen, but now you're here and you're hearing this good news and you're thinking, this is impossible. Why would God ever love me? After all I've done in the past, like why, why would God ever show up for me if I didn't show up for him? And so maybe for you today, it's just that first moment of realization. It's that first time where you cross the line into faith and obedience. We'll give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. Maybe you need to make a decision today to finally receive God's love and forgiveness so you can move beyond the guilt of your past. I don't know. Whatever it might be, please don't waste this moment to recalibrate your hearts and minds on the love of God. Because this is all that's expected of you. As the church, everything else exists in submission to love. But not love as we define it, but love defined by Jesus. I'd like to close with uh, a benediction from Ephesians chapter 3. It's just an ending, an exhortation, an encouragement for you. This is from Ephesians 3, and then we're going to sing. But this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, when I think about this, the love of God, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited forces, he will empower you with his inner strength through his spirit. Then, verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Trust. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you, verse 19, experience the love of Christ through it, though it is too great to understand fully. May you experience the love of Christ. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We need to know his love. We need to trust his love.
We need to abide in his love, his presence, so we might live like he loves, so far outside the lines. This is the way of Jesus. There is no other. Let us follow him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In this moment, I just have to believe that there are people in this room that are on the line, God, that they are, they're looking just past the line of love that you have for them, and they're thinking, is this for me? So Jesus, I ask that you would just give them that spiritual, supernatural push over the line today that they might experience you in a new way. God, we ask that you would open the eyes of the blind, that you'd soften hearts today, and that you would save people in your name. God, that maybe for the first time, love, love might extend beyond reciprocity and into grace and mercy. So if that is you and you're here today and you're just like, I just don't know what to think, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you're real, that you're good, that you love me, and you lead to peace. All of my life is yours. Jesus, I believe that you're real, you're good, you love me, and you lead to peace. Take my life. Everything I have is yours. And this is just the beginning, God, uh, but, it, but we know that it's such an important step to move beyond the lines of love we draw. So God, we ask again that you would just urge people into greater faith and obedience today. And Jesus, open our eyes to the people and to the places that need your love the most because that's why we are alive. That's why you didn't, you didn't just suck us up into heaven after we got saved, God, because you want us to reveal your love out into the world. So God, give us eyes to see. Give us compassion for those around us. God, help us live lives reflecting of your selfless commitment and sacrificial decision. So Jesus, we're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you came and you died so we might know what it means to live. Jesus, we love you and we are so excited for all that is to come. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen, amen. How deep the Father's love for us how vast beyond all